little Seinfeld to start off our morning. How's everybody? And it's so great to see you. You know, I was thinking back to my early dating days when, we, when, when Vicky and I first started dating. And uh, Vicky was this beautiful teenage girl, and I was like every father's worst nightmare. I'm just, you know, I mean, literally, I was so out of my league, and I knew it. And so, man, I pursued her hard. I opened doors for her. I, I would grab her arm as we would walk across the street. I remembered all my manners. And as wild as I was, Vicky told me no guy had ever treated her as well as I did. Now, why did I do that? Well, it's easy. I was in love. I was pursuing her. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And by the way, I still do those things today. See, now after 40 years together, I'm not saying that we're perfect. No, I mean, far from it. I mean, Vicky's still got a lot of work to do. But, <laughs> and so do I. And so do I, right? But we're getting there. We're in a series right now called Take a Vow. And today I want to talk about the vow of pursuit. If you're taking notes and you'll find your notes right there in your program, you can pull them out and follow along. Uh, Go ahead and write this down. By nature, we pursue what we don't have. By nature, we pursue what we don't have. For example, a lot of guys will do all kinds of things to win the girl, right? Because men, by nature, we're hunters right? We're hunters. We go after what we want. So guys, when they're dating, they'll do all kinds of things they wouldn't normally do. They'll go to the movies and watch the chick flicks and pretend to like them, right? They'll share their popcorn. Uh, They'll talk on the phone for hours and hours, sometimes even like three in the morning. You hang up. No, you hang up, right? We'll do all of those things. They will drive two hours to see the other person, even if it's just for 15 minutes. Why? Because they're pursuing the one they don't have. And then one day, they, they, the hunting works. They find what they've been hunting. They get married. They have a couple of kids. Two years go by. Seven years go by. They buy a house. Uh, Twelve years, 15 years. And one day, they wake up and they say, what happened? We were so in love. What happened? Well, most of the time, what happens is we stop pursuing each other. And that's where all the problems start, don't they? You show me a divorce, and I will show you a couple who stopped pursuing each other. Think about this. Can you name any other area in your life that you can neglect and see improvement? Take your body, for example. Can you neglect it, eat anything you want, Krispy Kreme, you know, uh, ice cream, man, any of those kinds of things, and then never exercise, just totally neglect it and expect it to get better? No, of course not. It doesn't work like that. Take your business. Can you neglect your business, right? And don't do the marketing forecast, not pay your bills, not plan, not have the right people, you know, hire the right people, not fire the wrong people. Can you totally neglect your business and expect it to thrive? No, you can't do that. It doesn't work. If you have a yard, can you neglect your yard and not fertilize it, not water it, not mow it, and then expect your yard to look better? No. That's why I tell couples all the time, if you think the grass is greener somewhere else, start watering where you're at right now. All right? So if you can't neglect those things and still prosper, why is it then that so many people think they can neglect their marriage and it'll still become what God wants it to be? That's our big question today. That's why, really, why I want to talk to you about this second vow, the vow of pursuit. 
Now, if you were here last week, let's just review for a second. You heard the first vow. And the first vow, would you just say it out loud with me? Put it up on the screen. Do we have it? There it is. Say this out loud with me. I promise, come on, say it like you mean it. I promise God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. I promise that God is going to be first in my life. Man, he is the first one in my life and my spouse will be my two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, I think we should print those up for, the, for some T-shirts for the singles. You know, that says, I've, I've found my one, now I'm looking for my two. I think that would be kind of cool, right? God is my one, my spouse is my two. All right? Vow number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. I promise to always pursue my two. I promise to always pursue. Would you, would you repeat that with me? I promise to always pursue my two. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 has been our theme verse of the series. And it says this, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is what? Everybody say it with me. Whoa, whoa where's the verse? That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united. United to his wife and they become one flesh. Now this word united in the original language that the, the Old Testament was written in, it was, it, the Hebrew, uh, is the word dabak. Dabak. Everybody say that. Dabak. Dabak. Come on, say it again. Good job. All right. Now this means more than just a union. It means more than united. If you're taking notes, it literally means to cling or to adhere, uh, to catch by pursuit. It means to pursue hard with affection and devotion. So it's not just that we pursue until we're married, but we continue to pursue. We continue to cling. We continue to pursue hard. We continue to pursue with devotion. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and debak, pursue, be united, be joined, and continue to pursue and the two will become one flesh. In fact, I want to show you three different ways that this word debak is used and, and translated in the Old Testament. Because the Hebrew language is it's, it's an amazing language. It's not like the English language. Uh, in a lot of the words, a lot of times the words are like a picture or a, or a mini story. There's a texture and an action to, to much of the Hebrew language. So let me show you a few verses where the word debak is used. Uh, Psalm 67.3 in the Living Bible translates it this way. I what? Say these two words aloud with me. I follow close behind you. I follow close behind you. That's the word debak. I follow close. That's also a memory verse for stalkers. So that's just in case you're wondering. Job 41.17 uh, says, this is the NIV, they are what? Two words that are translated as debak. They are joined fast to one another. They cling to, uh, together and cannot be parted. All right? Um, that's, that's the word to buy. Judges 20, 45, King James Version, translated this way. They, they did what? They pursued hard. They pursued hard after them. All right? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and debauch. Pursue hard. Be united. Be joined together to catch by pursuit. 
Now, one of the most beautiful examples of this in the Bible is found in the story of a couple who continued to pursue. And it's found in Genesis chapter 29. It's the story of Jacob and his love for Rachel. Now, this is what it, uh, the Bible, I just think this is so interesting because the Bible can be funny sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and the, this is what it literally says. It says there were two sisters. There was Rachel, the younger sister, and Leah, the older sister. And the Bible actually says this very literally, that Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful, and, and Leah had weak eyes. All right? That's what it says, weak eyes. And what that means in the Hebrew language is that Rachel was beautiful and Leah had a really great personality. All right? That's cruel, I know, but that's what it says. All right? So Jacob sees Rachel and he just falls completely in love with her. I mean, just loves her. And, and he wants to marry her. And Rachel and Leah had a father named Laban who was very shrewd. And he says, look, if you want to marry my daughter, you're going to have to work for me seven years. How many of you have got daughters? Think about that. All right? <laughs> Think about that. We'll, we'll give you seven years and see how you do. Just a thought. Just a thought, all right? All right? Well, this is what Laban says. He says, you do it, work seven years, and then you can have her. But when the seven years came up, Laban pulls the switcheroo, and he says, oh, I'm sorry, you can't have the younger daughter. It's our custom that the older daughter has to marry first, so you can have Leah. And Jacob's like, no, I want Rachel. That's who I want. I worked seven years for Rachel. And dad says, well, you can have Rachel too, but you're going to have to work seven more years, a total of 14 years. Now, here's the beautiful part of the story. A lot of people, when they tell this story, they make it sound like, you know, he works seven years and he gets Leah and then he has to work another seven years and then he finally gets Rachel. No, the father gave him Rachel at that time, at the seven-year mark. But he still continued to work for her. Even after he had her, he continued to work. Even after they were married, he gladly continued to pursue and work for her. And I always will pursue my two. I promise to pursue my two. Even though we are already married, I will continue to work for you. I will continue to pursue you. Now, let's get real practical and talk about this, all right? How do we live this out? Because the truth is, nobody goes into a marriage and says, you know what, I want to have a bad marriage, right? I want to lose intimacy. I want to give this a go and then seven years later just split up everything and have the kids on the weekend. Nobody does that. That's not the way people approach this. No, we have good intentions. We love each other, but life just kind of wears us down. We get tired. We get worn out. We get overwhelmed. You know, we, we want to show the love that we feel, but we simply don't do it. We have good intentions, but lousy actions. Good intentions, but lousy actions. Now, here's the interesting thing. When it comes to intentions, uh, when it comes to our marriage, if you're taking notes, write this down. We generally judge our spouse by his or her actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Think about this. Well, you didn't do it. And then truthfully, you know, I didn't do it either, but I'm okay because I was intending to do it. I was thinking about doing it. My feelings, my intentions were all right. I was thinking about it. I was going to. I just didn't get around to it. See, we judge them by their actions 
And we judge ourselves by our intentions. Now, my goal for those today, for those of you who are married, is to help you convert your good intentions into good actions. We want to close the gap between your intentions and your actions. So, your assignment this week is going to be a little bit more complicated. Last week, I asked you to try to pray together every day. How many of you were able to do that? Some of you? Okay. At least some of you tried. How many of you, how many of you got it several times, but you didn't make it the whole week? Yeah, we're in that same category, so don't feel bad, all right? We, did, we, we didn't get it every day, but we tried. We tried. All right, so this week, this is my assignment. It's going to be threefold. If you're taking notes, the first part of your assignment is this and closing the gap. Number one, here's the first one. When you think something good, I want you to say it. When you think something good, every time you think something good, all right? Uh, so help me out so I know you're still with me. When you see, think something good, you're going to say it. say it. Say it. Whenever you think something good, every time, no matter how small or insignificant it seems, when you think something positive towards your spouse, you're going to say it. Hebrews 3.13 says this, But encourage one another, how often? Daily. Daily. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Every day, whatever it is, you say it. Hey, thanks for picking up the kids today. Boy, that really just made things easier for me. That was sweet of you. Or, uh, you know what? You did a great job in working on your presentation, man. You are going to crush this thing at work. Man, great job. Or how about this one? I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that you put the toilet lid down this time. I mean, it's like, hey, even something that small or insignificant. Thank you for so much for going by Walmart and picking up that stuff. And I want you to know it meant a lot to me. When you sent me that text and said you loved me in the middle of the day, it meant a lot to me. It, it said a lot. Thanks, thanks for remembering to drop off the dry cleaning. Hey, I noticed your hair. You got your hair done. Man, it looks really good. It looks good, right? See, whenever you think something good, you're going to say it. say it. Now, I want to be real specific because there's some different ways that we need to pursue with our words. Gentlemen, let me talk to you first. Let me talk to my guys, all right? Uh, because we need the most help, honestly, <laughs> in this area. All right? So man to man, this is our time. If you're taking notes... Guys, this is what you need to remember. When you pursue her with words, make sure you pursue her with words of affection. Words of affection. Now, let me be real specific for a moment. When I'm talking about words of affection, I'm talking about non-sexual affection. The guys are looking at me like deer in the headlights. All right, let me explain this. All right? When I say, because I know you're saying, what is non-sexual affection? It is affection that is non-sexual. <laughs> All right? You guys with me? All right? So very non-sexual affection. Now, guys, I know this is hard for you to wrap your head around because the truth is the way guys compliment each other is very different from the way women compliment each other. Guys, guys have this really strange way. I'll give you an example. I, one of my, my longest-time friends is a guy named Keith. Keith and I are like brothers from different mothers. I mean, we, he's just an old friend. And he would see Vicky and I together, and he would say, how did a tall, ugly guy like you get married to a girl like her? And I'd just raise my hands and go, I don't know, right? But the, that's a compliment. That's a way a guy would compliment another guy. When he got married, I'd say, how did a big old moose-headed guy like you 
marry a girl like her, right? And see, that's the way we talk to each other. Never once did his wife, Brenda, say to my wife, Vicki, how did a little short stuff like you get a big stud like Robert? Never said it. Never said it. You know why? Because women know how to give compliments and men don't. We're not real good at it. So men, here's the best advice I can give you. Ladies, plug your, your, your ears, all right? Plug them up, all right? Guys, here's the deal, because this is just man to man, all right? All right? This is what I want you to do. Ladies, got your ears plugged? Here we go, all right? Uh, add, here's what I want you to do. Here's the deal. Just do this. Add the word because to the big three words. I love you because, and then fill in the blanks. I love you because. And just fill in the blanks. And don't say the same thing every time because that doesn't work, all right? I love you because you're an amazing person. I, I, I love you because you're a faithful friend. I love you because you've given me this beautiful family. And I love you because you're a woman who's committed to Christ. And I love you because. Whatever it is that's coming to your mind at the time, I love you because. Gentlemen, if you think something good, you're going to do what? Come on, one guy. If you think so, if you think something good, you're going to. There's my men. All right, pursue her with words of affection, non-sexual affection. All right, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All right, ladies, if you're taking notes, this is for you. Write this down. How are you going to pursue him? You're going to pursue him with words of affirmation. With words of affirmation. Why? Because as confident as he may appear, he needs to know that you believe in him. Listen to me, ladies. You need to understand this. And I really want you to hear me on this. He is becoming what you say about him. He is becoming what you see in him. If you nag him, if you tear him down, if you tell him what he's not, he's going to become less of what you want him to be every single time. Why? Because no matter how he acts to you, your opinion of him matters more than anybody else's. You know him more intimately than anybody else, right? And, and, and if you don't believe in him, he's not going to believe in himself. Now, this is so important. I want to encourage you, ladies, try not to tell him what he's not because that is so defeating, all right? When you say, you know what, you're not this and, and you're not that or, or you're not like this person or you're not like that person, man, it, it just makes him want to take his ball and go home and not play anymore, all right? Even if he's not quite there, build him up, right? He'll grow into the man because when you do it, he will grow into the man that you hope that he'll become, especially spiritually. Now, if I can just be honest from a pastor's perspective, one of the most common complaints that I hear from women well, my husband's just not the spiritual leader in my home. You know, my husband's not. Well, if he was, you know, if he was more, if he was more like you, Pastor Robert, listen, you don't live with Pastor Robert. <laughs> he ain't all that. I'm just going to tell you. It's, all right? But, but he's not a spiritual leader. He's not a spiritual leader. When you say that, there is nothing inside of him that makes him want to lead spiritually because he recognizes that you don't look up to him in that way. Are you with me, ladies? If you take whatever he does that's even remotely spiritual and celebrate it, he'll do more of it. People do. People will, will, will do what you celebrate. Man, they will. All right? So if he says to you, hey, let, next Sunday, let's, let's go to church. 
Man, say back to him, hey, I just want you to know, when you said go to church, wow, that was great. That meant a lot. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I really did. He may have never prayed before, and it's Thanksgiving, and he does, you know, God is great, God is good, let us thank you for this food. Later on, you tell him, hey, you know, when you prayed like that, I just want you to know, and that was great, and then whisper it in his ear, I like it, (laughs) right? Maybe breathe heavy, right? You know what I'm talking about? I'm, 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 I'm sort of kidding. Sort of kidding. Here's the thing. When you make a big deal about it, you know what's going to happen? It's going to impact him. And the next time, he's like, okay, I'll, next time I'm going to pray a little longer. Right? Because he sees it. He sees it. You're starting to give a vision. Build him up with words of affirmation. Because the way you see him really helps determine who he becomes. When you see a confident guy, almost every time behind that confident guy is someone who believes in that guy. Your words can make a difference through speaking words of affirmation. Pursue him with affirmation. So here's a couple of thoughts. Ladies, just like you want to know, does he love me today? He wants to know, do you believe in me today? Right? She wants to know, do you love me today? He wants to know, do you believe in me today? After I speak on Sundays, it's one of the weirdest things because uh, the, the truth is, you know, I, I do care about what you think, but, but not anywhere near as much as I really care about what Vicky thinks. And after I've, after I've spoken on a Sunday, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm really vulnerable. I, I've, it's, I feel like I've been on the battlefield and kind of come out bloody, you know? And so when I get home and I walk through the doors, I really the person that I'm interested in knowing is, from is Vicky. I want to hear what she has to say. And so I'll ask her, how, you know, how did I do? Did it, did it make sense? Did, do you think that it touched people? Do you think people got it? Do you, do you, was it funny? Did, I, I want to know her opinion. Because you know, if she believes in me, man, I can stand up to any critics that come across. All right? Ladies, trust me. He needs your words of affirmation. You tear him down, and I promise you, I promise you he'll become less of what you want. You build him up, and he'll become the man of God you want him to be. I don't even care if you're not totally believing it yet. You speak the words by faith. Listen to me. Speak the words by faith. Here's what I see in you. Here's what I believe in you. And you watch him rise up to what you say about him. Help me out, everybody. If you think something good, what are we going to do? We're going to say it. All right, the second thing, if you're taking notes, when you think something special... We're going to do it. When you think something special, we're going to do it. Now, those of you who are not married yet, you're probably thinking, well, great, this one stinks. What am I going to do, right? I'm going to tell you right now, you can start pursuing your two even before you meet him or her. You can start thinking today, how am I going to pursue them in the future? And you can do some things today that I think will be incredibly special. Here's an idea for those of you that are single. How many singles folks do I have? All right, all through the room. Here's an idea for those of you that are single. All right. Uh, Start writing notes to your future spouse. Even though you may not have even met them yet. Just start writing notes and, and, and let them know, this is what I'm doing to prepare for our marriage one day. and This is how I'm keeping myself pure. And I saw this verse today, and I just thought, you know, that's going to mean something to us when we get together. I, I saw a story uh, just this week of a girl who bought a tie. 
It was the tie she wanted her husband to wear. And it was this tie. And she hung it in her room. And she would pray and she would lay her hands on that tie and pray over it. And when she got married, there's this great picture of her husband coming down the aisle wearing that tie. She'd already been praying for him. So you can start pursuing your two even before you've met them, all right? Just something that you can do that's special that you can do right now. Now, men, (laughs) let's talk once again. When we think something's special, we're going to do what? We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Why? Because James 4.17 says this, If anyone, then, knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it for them is sin. It's sin. When you think something special, you're going to do it. See, most men, we think, you know, flowers and chocolates are the way to her heart, right? Flowers and chocolates, that'll rock her world. And those things are nice. But you know what I've learned? You know what is more romantic to your wife, guys, than flowers and chocolate? Try unloading a dishwasher. That's some kind of sexy to Vicki Pooley, I'm telling you, man. She likes that, right? Uh, Vacuum. And don't just, and listen, I'm not just talking about any kind of vacuum where you're like all over the place. You gotta get those lines right, right? I'm talking about really putting some effort into this thing, right? If you if you think of something special, do it. Last week in my message, I brought Vicky up to talk to the women, and, and she mentioned the love note that I wrote to her, and I said, Don't talk about that, which led some of you guys to believe that it was naughty. This one wasn't, <laughs> but they're having naughty ones. All right? But let me tell you about the note. When our daughter, Leanna, was a little girl, she would say, Hey, Dad, hey, Mom, I can, I can feel my heart beeping, right? which was just a cute little thing, man. And so we, we, we talked about that, and we loved that. So about a week ago, I wrote a note to Vicki, and I put it in her makeup bag, and it just said this. That's all it said. I love you so much, you make my heart beep. Aww. Right. I know. I know, right? <laughs> now, you know what those kind of things do? They let her know that you're thinking about her. And here's the thing. When I'm thinking about her, she starts thinking about me. And when I'm thinking about her and she starts thinking about me, well, you know where that goes, right? Which is great. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. All the men said? Yeah. Yeah. Ladies, you are far better at this than we are. But the same rules still apply. If you think of something special, do it. Surprise him with tickets to something he really likes or put the kids to bed early and just whisper in his ear, I've got a surprise for you tonight. You know, whatever it is. Be creative. If you think something special, do it. Do it often. Do it for the glory of God. You know, I mean, and I'm serious. It'll work. And all the men said, again, amen, amen. All right, if you think something special, I mean, if you think something good, say it. If you think something special, do it. Here's the third one, if you're taking notes. If you want something different, be it. If you want something different, be it. Instead of whining about what you don't have and what she's not or what he's not or what she isn't doing or what he isn't doing, all right, uh, if you want something different, you be it. You bring it. What do you bring? Well, you bring less of you and more of Christ. Less of you, more of Christ. I don't care what he's not doing or we, he's not bringing. You bring Christ through you. 
I don't care how she's not meeting your needs or she's not affirming you or she wants to spend more time with her friends than she does you. You bring more of Christ, less of you, more of him. You want something different, be it. I like the way the New Living Translation translates Romans 12 too. Uh, And this should be true in every area of our life, especially our marriage. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Let God change you. Guys, here's what you need to know. Women are multipliers. They're multipliers. Whatever you give them, they multiply. And they do. They really do. You give them an ugly house, they'll turn it into a beautiful home. You give them some money for food, and they'll make this fantastic meal. You give them love, and they'll give you a beautiful family. You give them a hard time, and they'll give you hell. I mean, you just count on it, right? I mean, and that's just the way it is. They multiply. They multiply. That's why, gentlemen, if you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. Right? You want something different? You be it. So those of you who say, well, you know what? I've never had the kind of marriage that I think God wants. Here's what you need to know. Write this down. To get something you've never had, you must do what you've never done. To get something you've never had, you must do what you've never done. All right? You've never had the Christian marriage that you want? or you feel like God wants you to have, then do something different. Bring Christ. Make Him the center of your marriage. Don't worry about your spouse. You do it. Well, I'm just waiting for Him to step up to the plate. Or I'm just waiting for her to do this. No, you do it. You do it. You bring it. You be it. You do it. That's what Vicki did in our marriage. Man, she started bringing Christ into our marriage when I wasn't ready for it. It changed my life. It transformed my life. All right? Now, uh, for those of you who look at your marriage and say, you know, at one time we had something that was very, very special. You know, we were so in love and then we just lost it. I want you to write this down. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. And what you once did was you pursued. You pursued. Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus uh, in Revelation 2.5, said this. Think about how far you've fallen. Now, he said this. He said this uh, talking about our relationship to him, but you can practically apply the same thing to your marriage. Listen to what he says. He says, repent and do the first works, those works of love that you did at first. Your assignment this week, if you think something good, say it. If you think something special, do it. If you want something different, be it. Less of me, more of Christ. Say that with me. Less of me, more of Christ. One more time. Less of me, more of Christ. Vow number two, the vow of pursuit. I promise to pursue my two. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, thank you so much. Lord, I come before you and I just ask you, would you stir our hearts so that we would pursue you with everything inside of us? And then God, I want to just pray for those that are here that are not yet married. Lord, that you would even give them visions and desires today of how they can pursue and and will pursue their future too. 
God, for those who are married, I pray that we would think back to those times when everything was working. Lord, when that love was just fresh. And Father, that you would give us a vision to do what we did at first, to always pursue our two. Continuing to pray, I just want to ask a couple of questions. How many of you, nobody looking around, everybody keep your heads bowed, but how many of you are not married now, but you would love to have a godly marriage one day? Could you just raise your hands, just lift them up? Lord, thank you so much. God, I thank you for a group of single adults who are so in love with Jesus first. I pray, Lord, that you would become their one. And God, rather than being discontented with what they don't have yet, I pray that you would find, they would find true joy in what they do have. God, I pray that you would give them faith, especially for those who've been hurt or disappointed. God, I pray that you would give them a sincere faith that one day they would truly meet the two. And the two of them, God, could serve you together. I pray, God, that you would encourage them in a time where there's so many broken marriages around, that you would show them some good ones and give them hope, God, that it is possible. As you're still praying today, those of you who are married, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to this threefold assignment. How many of you would say, you know what? Best as I can, I'm going to say it, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be it. Would you just lift your hands right now? All around the room, thank you so much. God, I pray that even in these very simple and practical principles of love, I pray that you would provide deep healing where there may be some significant wounds. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now, where people are here and they're wounded, they're hurting, maybe their marriage just hasn't turned out the way they thought it was going to be. Maybe they're going through a tough stretch right now. Lord, would you supernaturally bring healing into that relationship? Lord, just supernaturally begin to touch them. Father, in those areas where there's healing needs to come because there's these significant wounds, maybe they've been portrayed by uh, pornography or affairs, emotional affairs, neglect, bitterness, misunderstanding, mistrust. God, I pray that you would be present in their hearts. Father, that we would forgive and that we would heal. And I just thank you, Lord, that the marriages are going to be different. That we're going to end up on the better end of all the statistics. God, if there's anything that we know you want and we've never had it, help us to do the things that bring it. And if we've had it and we lost it, God, help us to do what we once did to have what we once had. Still praying. There's one final part of this message to put in your notes. And here's what I want all of you to know, and that is this, that Christ is pursuing you. Christ is pursuing you. In the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells three parables. And you may remember, one of the parables is about a guy who left 99 sheep to go after the one. He would pursue the lost one. Those of you that maybe you're here today and you've been running from God, Maybe you knew him one time and you served him, but you've been on the run since, and I want you to know he's pursuing you. Others of you, maybe you've never really known him. He's pursuing you. 
And he wants to find you. He wants to pick you up. He wants to love you and take you into his family. The author Brennan Manning calls it the great pursuit of the relentless lover. I love that. God is pursuing you today. So if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Robert, I don't really have a relationship with God right now. Maybe you used to and it just got away. Or maybe, maybe you just never had one. But you need to cross the line today. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Could you just raise your hands? I'm not going to embarrass you. But just in this moment say, Robert, would you pray for me? My relationship with God is not where it needs to be. Could I just see your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. I want you to pray a prayer with me. I want you to say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Take control. As much as I know how, Lord, lead me. Guide me. Forgive me for my past. Lead me into the future that you have for me. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed one more moment. If you're here and you would say, hey, Robert, I just really want you to pray for my marriage. I'm going to ask you to do something different. Would you just make eye contact with me? I just really want you to pray for my marriage. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. I don't want to miss anybody. Just looking around. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I see you. Thanks. Lord, I just lift up marriages today. Father, I believe that, that you want to do something supernatural. Something more than just a message could do or a song or a few minutes in a church. But Lord, you want to build a lifetime into these marriages. You want to do something special and significant. And I just want to say to you, I believe that part of the reason why the enemy is fighting so many of you in your marriages is because he's got, God has such a plan for you. And if you could ever get your marriage to where God wants it to be, you could do some amazingly significant things for him. And that God is bringing you to that point and he wants you there, but the enemy's trying to fight it. Stand your ground. Stay strong. God's got you. He loves you. He's watching over you. You can win this. You can win this. Start speaking life into your marriage. Start by the very words that you say. Even if you have to say them by faith, start speaking life into your marriage and watch what God does. By faith. By faith. It's going to make a change. Lord, again, I thank you for each and every person that's here. And Father, I pray that these words would speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. So here's my prayer for you this week. My prayer is that as you go about this week, you would start to feel a significant healing in your life. Maybe it's a healing as being a single person and thinking, am I going to find the one? Maybe you've gone through a, a, a tough time in marriage and your marriage isn't together and and you're healing, and God wants to bring healing into that. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're going through a tough time in your marriage right now. God wants to give you a new way to kind of think about things. And 
you know, uh, sermons are a great thing and church services are a great thing, but I think the Holy Spirit speaking into your life is going to be an amazingly powerful thing. And that's what I'm praying for you, so the Holy Spirit would speak into your marriage. And for those of you that are here and you have a great marriage, God's going to make it even better. As you, as you pursue after Him and you pursue after your spouse, you're going to see some great changes. Amen? Amen. Hey, a couple of quick announcements before you go. Next week, Take a Vow uh, continues, and we're going to be talking about the vow of participation. It's going to be special. We're going to have a panel up on stage to kind of, that you're going to hear from several different voices and a couple of different marriages, so I'm excited about that. There is an information meeting for a co-student ministry for high schoolers and middle schoolers, uh, I think uh, from 7 to 12, right? Is that what we're saying at this point? Ish. <laughs> ish all right and uh, that's going to be happening right after the service if you're interested in that we'd love for you to come and be a part of that uh, there's still time to get into a freedom group uh, if you stop by our next steps table they can tell you how to do that and then men fight club fight clubs coming up saturday nine o'clock we'd love for you to come it's going to be a bistro 98 it's a lot of fun it's a great time of fellowship food and fun so join us there uh, Bistro 98, 9 o'clock next week. Hey, I want to pray one more prayer. A prayer of blessing as you go. If you would, raise your hands with me. Father, thank you for every person that's here. I pray that you bless them in all that they do, that you would pour your spirit out on them, that you would give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Father, I pray that you would place an anointing on their life. Father, it's your anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Lord, anything that's hindering them in their life, Lord, I pray that, it would, that it, would, it would loosen its grip and be broken, be broken. Father, that they would have that same anointing as they're ministering to their friends and, and sharing your word with the people around them. Father, give them favor in the eyes of people they come in contact with. And Lord, I pray that you would give them divine opportunities that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.